Well, good morning, Rick. When we started this series, it was still warm and almost summer-like, and here we are at the end of the series, and you're sitting there with your first Christmas Starbucks cup of the year. That's right. I uh, I was a little lazy this morning. I didn't make my own uh, coffee, so I had to uh, pull through the drive-thru on my way here. And yeah, it's the, the holiday cup is out. It's, uh, it's a little chilly outside. It's feeling good, so... Man, time flies. It's a holiday cup. You know, I'm a Christian. I call that a Christmas cup. Yeah, that's right. You you could call it a Christmas <laughs> cup. It's uh, people could call it a holiday. I zinged you a little bit earlier. Uh, I was, yeah, I was, to be fair. Yeah, I you, said the holiday cup earlier and Rick uh, corrected me, so I'm just getting them back I'm, on recording yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holiday, you know, this is fascinating when people let people choose to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas or whatever. And one of the things I just think is hilarious in in, in how people choose to navigate all that holiday, it's it just means holy day. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. maybe it's not funny, but I, <laughs> you know. You're still expressing someone wishing a, a yeah. sacred there's event. No, there, there's, there's, no, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around it. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that we're already in that season Mm -hmm. and incredible that we have finished up the Dear Church series. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a series you and I have been talking about and thinking about for months now. And um, boy, it sure seemed like it flew by. It did. It did. And uh, we're wrapped up and uh, we're going to have our final conversation about it now. So I don't know if you brought your punchiest, snarkiest questions or... (laughs) I've got a couple in the bag here. All right. All right. Hopefully we don't go out with a whimper today. Yeah. Well, so first of all, are you drinking hot or cold coffee? I'm drinking it's hot coffee. It's not lukewarm, coffee. is I, it? It's not lukewarm. Um, and man, does that make me mad when I get lukewarm my- Lukewarm coffee? Yes. Um, I've never been a cold coffee drinker. I just, I can't do it. Can't get into it. I'm a hot coffee. And it's black. It's hot, uh-huh. black coffee, uh, which means it's always right as long as the temperature is right. Uh, I never put anything in it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You can't have it uh, too sweet, not sweet enough. It's just exactly the it's way you always, want it. I like it. I just like black, better coffee. It's the best. <laughs> All right. Well, that's also the most economic choice, too. So that's kind of nice also. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's not picking up on the hot or cold pun, the reference to this church in Laodicea, when Jesus says, I wish that you were hot or cold and not lukewarm, I really, really appreciated how you um, dispelled kind of the uh, the common myth of how this passage is sometimes presented. That's right. In the sense yeah. that Jesus is saying, you should be hot, like on fire for God, mm-hmm. all in for me, or don't be the opposite, be someone who's just like, I know I'm out, I'm not, I'm not yeah. following Jesus, but just don't be wishy-washy, and that's... That's not always the way that, uh, or that's not really the way that he's trying to communicate in this. Sure. Let's, before we even get into the content of what that means, let's do a little, let's nerd out. Let's teach a little hermeneutics. Okay. Um, and Hermeneutics being the study of the Bible and that, interpretation. That's right. It's the art and science of, of interpretation. And so this is a metaphor. Lukewarm is used as, as, a, as a metaphor there. And in our culture, it is a metaphor for being noncommittal. Right, you're mm-hmm. kind of you're kind of in between, like you said, wishy washy. Mm-hmm. Now that is not what it meant in that context. The native metaphor. So this is the term native metaphor, um, which would be coming directly from the context, is about purposelessness. You're not fulfilling. You're not fulfilling a good purpose. If we take our modern American. Uh, colloquialism or metaphor, and we bring that into the text and read that into the text, that's a foreign metaphor. 
and we don't want to do that. And it's so easy to do. There are so many times that we're thinking in metaphors and word pictures and colloquialisms and similes and all of that kind of stuff. We don't even realize it. The majority of our communication is non-literal. And so it's so tempting and easy for us to take our our use of symbolism and imagery and read it into the text. And we got to really slow down and make sure that we're not doing that. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons I joke that every youth pastor in America taught it as be all the way on fire for God. Uh You know what? I would love for people to be on on fire for God. But that's not what this text is about. Uh This text is about know your purpose and fulfill it. Well, which I think is just kind of intellectually satisfying to hear that, because for everyone that says that makes sense that Jesus would be saying, be all the way on fire for God, Mm -hmm. it makes zero sense at all that he would imply be hot or cold and be all the way against God. Jesus is not going to say that. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And and I want to give people, you know, I want to give people grace and, and, and the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you don't know, if you don't know the the geographical context and the historical context, you're not going to understand that. Mm-hmm. And this is why study is so important. It's, it's so, it's so incredibly important. And so um, I love that never, never before in human history has uh, have study tools been so widely available mm-hmm. and many times free, mm-hmm. you know, you can utilize things like, you know, I'm a big fan of the Bible project, but there are tremendous study Bibles and websites and things that are easily available to folks. So leverage that use, use that in your personal devotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is helpful. Can mm-hmm. you recommend any other websites that you would find to be helpful for, for studying the Bible? Well, I, I, when it, it's like BibleGateway.com is one that a lot of people. A lot of people use that. I I don't I don't use that. I I love the Bible Project. I don't typically use websites though when it when it comes to when I'm doing Bible study. So I feel like I'm I'm like a fish out of water here and trying to make recommendations. I'm not the I'm not the right guy to ask. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might be better. But a good study Bible is a really good help. Mm-hmm. Like an NIV study Bible mm-hmm. um, has a lot of notes under each mm-hmm. verse that sometimes do include the kind of details of of what each passage is referring yeah. to. So, yeah. like for example, this hot and cold mm-hmm. imagery in this letter yeah. um, is a reference to what you'd brought up in the message that Laodicea was a unique place in that it didn't have its own native water source. That's right. It had to have all of its water piped in. Yeah. And, and they use stone barrel pipes, which can, can you just, imagine? I'm trying to so, mineral rich. <laughs> so there's the there's the image. There's the I used the same picture in the in the sermon that you all put in the study guide. Uh-huh. And it's just these these stone blocks which these cylinder holes are carved out and they're put together end to end and i'm curious what kind of mortar oh yeah what the they're engineering using. for that time is astounding the engineering is amazing the physical effort that went into it is amazing uh, to bring water down to this oh my goodness could you imagine but i mean think about this think all the effort you go to i mean this is something i could have talked about think about all the effort you went to to bring water down and you get it and it's just like blah i don't want it yeah you think about all the waste like that feels like all the effort and engineering and that, that went into this and you get it and it's like, ah, this isn't even good. Yeah, because the water that they're sourcing, they yeah. had hot springs water with warm water that's yeah. just able to be yeah. soothing and relaxing mm-hmm. and, and that sense of healing on an achy body. Yeah. And they had access to cold water from refreshing springs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, by the time the water got to them, it was neither hot nor cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So, so it's the water had lost its purpose, and so yeah. that was what you were challenging us to to be thinking about in the yeah. background, both in the context of this church, but also challenging us to apply that yeah. in the sense of, of we don't want to be purposeless. We don't want to be purposeless. And I didn't use this word, but essentially what Jesus is saying is, guys, that's intolerable. Mm-hmm. I find that intolerable. Mm-hmm. And you should find that intolerable. We should find that intolerable. Intolerable in the sense of? Keep going. Living living for ourselves, living for some sort of fraudulent purpose, living for comfort, living for pleasure, living for something other than being with Jesus and joining him and what he is about. It should feel, we should experience that. We should think of that as intolerable. Um, and so that's what I think. I think that's what Jesus is communicating, especially with this strong language. I spit you out of my mouth. Some some translations use use the word vomit Mm -hmm. like it's this rapid kind of violent ejection of this away from me no i cannot stand this and we shouldn't stand it's not that people are not tolerated by jesus Mm -hmm. it's not that you are rejected and you're unwanted or i'm unwanted or we're unwanted it's this approach to life is ah let's just get it away from us because what jesus came to give is so much better Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the that's kind of the motivation there. Think of, think about it that way. It should really cause us to to pause and go, yeah, I want what I want what Jesus offers. I don't want I don't want a lesser thing. The the trap that this church fell into mm-hmm. of being so well resourced, so flush with now they lacked water resources, but yeah. they were flush with cash. This was yeah. the the city that even turned down emergency aid from the Roman Empire in the aftermath of an earthquake because they they were so self-reliant that mm-hmm. they were they they felt that they were able to just resource themselves it it's so easy to see how how the good side of being prepared and equipped and resourced can turn into the ugly side of being arrogant and addicted to comfort and overly self-reliant, overly confident, used to just kind of being a, a, a in a way of thinking that our yeah. way is the right way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Jesus has some uh, some reaction to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, in some ways, in some ways, there's part of me that wants to admire the city that say, "Hey, we we don't need the funds; we can rebuild." Right. And so that could be responsible. That could be admirable. But the implication seems to be the history seems to be that it was, it was, it was more about pride, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it was it was it was more about it was more about ego, and for some reason that had, it just seems like that it slipped into the church. We got it. We're good. We can do this on our own. And if there's any church that in, in these seven letters that those of us in our culture, and I don't just mean Autumn Ridge, I mean just American culture, it's probably Laodicea. That's a church that, that we could probably relate to. Uh, they had great medical care. We have great medical care. Uh, they were doing well economically, even in, you know, th- our economy isn't perfect, but we're, we're better off than we've ever been, really. Um, and people may want to argue with that, but I mean, if just look historically, we're better off. Than, than 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 we than we've ever ever been, I uh, I think I I think I saw something um, recently 
I think it was in the class with you. Is it our Sabbath class? We were talking about how much we spend on goods and services yeah. mm-hmm. compared to the way it was. We spend three times as the amount that we did like in the 1950s. And that's not a dollar for dollar amount. It's just if you look at it in, in total and all, all of that kind of stuff, it's just we're we just spend more on ourselves. And we're it's so it's just so easy to be self-focused. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm building. I feel like I'm rambling. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this isn't good coffee. I feel like I feel like I'm rambling, but this is where I'm going. <laughs> this this church had they had just slipped into it to being to being self-focused and to being greedy and to being um thinking that they could get everything done on their own because look at how look how wealthy we are. And I think, man, it's so easy to slip into that. Mm-hmm. I think we can relate to that. I think our country can relate to that. I think our culture can relate to that. I think our church can relate to that. It's just easy to depend on our ability to produce money to be able to resource whatever problem we're we facing. We can relate to it. And yet, you know, as you brought out that if if you went around on the street and you asked people, what do you think the biggest problems facing Christians today yeah. would be? They're unlikely to identify greed as one of the top three problems, yeah. but it very well may be. You know, Jesus talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Jesus talked about greed a lot. Um, and I don't know many people. I've never, I have not met many people who have just said to me, yeah, I'm greedy. Mm. And for some reason, we just don't see it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am. Mm-hmm. I think I am. I. It is It is not hard for me to think of me first. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I don't need much motivation to want more. It's just, I just want more. Sure. I want more comfort. I want more stuff. I want more trips. I want more. I I just, yeah, it's it's in me and I'm not proud of it. It's icky. Jesus talked about it a lot. And I don't even, I don't even know if I totally understand how pervasive this reality is is in my own, in my own life. Mm -hmm. And there's part of me that's like, I want to know. And then there's another part of me that's like, I don't know if I want (laughs) to, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and Jesus said to this, one of the things he said to this church, he used some harsh language. He said, you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Mm-hmm. And we could we could pick all of, we could kind of walk through each one of those words. But one of the words that really stands out to me is you're blind. You don't have the ability to see reality for what it is. You don't have the ability to see yourself for what you really are. And there's something about money and stuff and wealth and all that comes with it. It's just easy to become blind. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I want to be honest about that. So later in the, the, in this letter, we mm-hmm. see a very gentle invitation from Jesus. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I had an experience as a little girl, hang with me here. I want to tell okay. a story. I'm ready to listen. That for me is, is probably one of my first spiritual kind of milestone events in my life. Um, I've, my mom prayed with me to, to ask Jesus into my heart when I was a little four-year-old girl. And so there's never really been a time of my life when I haven't felt like I belong to Jesus. Mm. Um, it's, and I'm very, very thankful for that. That's a sweet gift in my life. Mm. Uh, but I remember very distinctly as a young grade school-ish, maybe first or second grade, I was learning to ski for the first time on a on a family ski trip and I was having a great time and I was kind of nervous about it initially and I remember praying at the top of the the hill uh, on one of the first runs really kind of scared and, and saying you know Jesus I need your help would you be with me down this hill and and got to the bottom and had a good time got back up 
on the chairlift and I was about ready to go down the second time. And I thought, well, that first time went really well. And I very distinctly remember thinking, Jesus, I don't need you this time. I'll do this one by myself. I got this. What a great story. And I just wiped out, you know, yeah. one of those falls where like my skis went flying in one direction, my yeah. poles went the other. I didn't uh-huh. get hurt. Yeah. But I remember still to this day laying there in the snow with my skis flying every which way thinking, that was really stupid to tell Jesus I didn't need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and I feel ever since that moment, I've always felt like that was a gentle way of Jesus reminding me, don't ever just try to do things on your own. It's so mm-hmm. much better if I'm here with you. Yeah. And, uh, and I look back on that and think, what a beautiful way that Jesus taught me that lesson in such a gentle way as a little kid in a way that I've carried with me for my whole life. And every time that I'm consciously aware, now like you say, it's easy to be blind to what we don't see in our own life, but yeah. anytime I've felt consciously aware that I'm slipping into a mindset of thinking, I got this, I'm totally okay on my own, I can be self-reliant, I don't need God's help right now, mm. that, that that image of laying there in the snow comes back to my mind and thought, I don't want to be like that. No, Jesus, I do need you. Yeah. And yeah. so in this letter I love that story. Oh, well, thank you. It was it was important to me. Like I said, it was probably one of the first spiritual milestones of my life. Mm. And I um, can see that. Yeah. And and I that came back to me as you were preaching this message about how even after these harsh things that Jesus is saying to them to help them wake up to mm-hmm. the way that they were being self-reliant and hanging on to their own power, their mm-hmm. own resources. And instead he's saying, no, I'm I'm standing here at the door. Yeah. I'm knocking. Mm-hmm. I'm inviting you to fellowship with me. Yeah. And uh, and I, I appreciated that even after some of the ways that Jesus has spoken somewhat harshly in these letters, he said some things that have been hard, I'm sure, for those churches to hear, mm-hmm. that even feel a little bit hard for us to mm-hmm. hear and internalize, that it all culminates in Revelation 3.20 in this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. Yeah. And it's just this lovely invitation to fellowship. So you think about it. One of the things we've said is uh, when we, we take these letters together, um, we see Jesus' heart and mindset for his, for his churches and the better we understand his message to other churches, the better we'll understand his message to to our church. And Jesus is Jesus would always be the smartest guy in the room. Mm. So we're talking about this. I'm thinking about this. Didn't even mention it on Sunday. Didn't even think about it till right now as we're talking. That the last letter ended with an invitation to dinner. Yeah, isn't that the invitation to every church, not just that church? Mm. It's constructed that way on purpose. Mm. Be with me. I'm here to be with you. Mm-hmm. It's the message to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Even the harshest messages mm-hmm. still end with hope. You know, oh, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah, I'm here. I'm leaning in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this. I I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just describing me here. Maybe other people can relate to it, but I, I'll admit that maybe I'm just describing me. That there is this thing. Okay, like you talked about Jesus. I I need you the first time, but now I don't need you, and it it there it feels like. The point is to always get to where you can stand on your own and not need help. But the Christian life is we're always growing into greater dependence. Mm-hmm. The goal is not de- independence. Um, it, the goal of our, of our 
Christian community, our relationships in our churches, interdependence. And with Christ, it's greater dependence. Mm -hmm. We're always growing into dependence, not growing out of dependence. It may be the attitude should be, okay, not, all right, now that I, okay, we got through that and I could stand on my own. It's not like I can do it on my own now, but if I continue, if I lean on you even more, if I trust in you even more, what comes next? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, I'm going to be thinking about that. Hmm. I'm going to be chewing on that for a little while. Hmm. I like that. Well, so so the the series or the, each of these letters ends with this invitation to fellowship mm-hmm. and to to relationship. Mm-hmm. And and you brought out that in our American culture, mm-hmm. you know, even sometimes when we have meals with other people, mm-hmm. it tends to be a, an efficient kind of process. It can <laughs> it, be. It can be. I mean, it sometimes can we can have just yeah. a slow, relaxed meal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if we're meeting someone for lunch, mm-hmm. we very well may be looking at our watch because we've got a one o'clock meeting to get our, to or yeah. something like that. Not because, we're, not because we're rude or uncaring. It's we're fitting it in between the last thing and the next thing. Mm-hmm. And this is the, I can give you 60 minutes. So yeah. Here it's just it is. a very time-driven culture. Yeah, but you suggested that Jesus probably would not be looking at his watch yeah, when I don't he's think talking he would. to us. I think, I think, I think. You know, people. You know, people who, when they talk to you, they make you feel like you're the only person there. Yeah, I think that's how Jesus would be. I think yeah. that's how Jesus is with us. Like we're the only person there. Uh, and I like that idea that he's he works in our life in a slow way and mm. not in an efficient way. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I also resent that too because I would love for it to just to be like, okay, if I read these verses and I pray these prayers and and all of these things, then my spiritual life will be effective and mm-hmm. and healthy and and uh, joyful and all of that just overnight. And mm. and that's not what it is. the The spiritual formation process is a long lifetime process. Mm. And and I think you've brought that in, out in a couple of the messages. That there's no microwave setting. There is in our relationship with Jesus. But if I'm I'm a I'm a total hypocrite. I <laughs> I might be the biggest hypocrite in our church. <laughs> And because I want there to be a microwave setting. Well, we all do. And sometimes I pretend or I act like there is, and I have to be reminded, no, there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you make peace with that, with the, the slow process of following Jesus over a lifetime? Um, I don't know that I have a good answer to that. How do I, how do I, mm. how do I make peace with that? I think it probably comes with bruises. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think it, I think it, 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 it's my life is punctuated by moments with, yeah, I know this. I've known this. <laughs> why do I keep forgetting it? Or why do I, why do I keep, why do I keep, uh, turning, turning away from it? Um, so yeah, I don't think I have a, I don't think I have a, a great answer, but it's just constantly, constantly reminding myself to slow down. And I don't think I'm the best person at reminding me. Mm-hmm. So God in his kindness has placed people in my life that remind me. To slow down and to and to see the big picture, and I I am just I'm not wise enough I'm not smart enough I'm not mature enough to remember that on my own I need it from other people and mm-hmm. God in His kindness has put people in my life who constantly um, keep pounding that drum with me slow down be humble focus on learning it's okay well that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. yeah I'm very grateful for that it's also really comforting to remember that His patience is. Mm-hmm 
it lasts a lifetime too, yeah. that he's not expecting us to have everything perfect today, yeah. that he's investing in us over the whole mm-hmm. course of our lifetime and he's patient with us. Yeah. You know, we've talked a little bit about in the, in this series that uh, there, no one's more patient than Jesus, but there is, there is an expiration date on his, on his patience, but that's, I want us to think about that in regards to, to sin, like just kind of willful ongoing sin. She's like, I'm not going to tolerate this forever. Mm-hmm. But As we've seen in, in several of these letters. We've seen in several of these letters. But doesn't he just seem just like infinitely patient with our growth and our development and our wobbly mm-hmm. <laughs> steps forward? Yeah, he's gentle and patient and kind and walking with us. And so I'm. Well, and the intolerance that he's showing towards mm-hmm. sin mm-hmm. is still motivated by his love. Of, yeah. I want better for you. Because it's bad for us. Mm-hmm. Because he loves us, because mm-hmm. it's hurting us and it's hurting good things in our life. Yeah. So let me ask you, if we pull the focus back a little bit and you look now in retrospect mm-hmm. at the series, uh, what are some of your takeaways from these seven letters and the, the time that we've spent this fall in these couple of chapters? You know what? I'm. There's a reason that the podcast is named this. Uh, I just see it again. Church is messy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, I, I don't know if... Anybody who's listening has ever heard this before, but you know, I went to I went to a theological college and went to seminary. Kind of grew up in the in the church world, and I've I've heard people say many times, "I want I want us to be a New Testament church. I want to be like a church in the New Testament." And I'm just like, I I just want to be like Jesus because the churches and the churches in the New Testament are just as messed up as we are, yeah. right? They're just real messy collections of people who are trying to who are trying to figure out and. There is no church that we can look at that is just like bright and shining and perfect and wonderful, and they had everything together. Now there are a couple of churches in this in these seven letters who Jesus didn't have anything negative to say, and there's a lot to admire about them. But even they weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even some of the ones that didn't have negative things to say from Jesus were still in a horrible chapter of suffering. Yeah, there's so, just a, there's just yeah, a difficult it's still spot. messy for them. It's so. I guess what. I want us to be patient and gentle and kind with each other and just focus on Jesus and let's just keep taking our next step together. Mm. That's my that's my takeaway. Nice. Let's just keep doing that. Let's love, let's be gentle, let's be kind. Let's keep taking our next step together. All right, can I ask you a little bit of a provocative question? Sure. If you think Jesus was writing a letter to Autumn Ridge, what kind of things do you think he might say to us? Hmm. It is a tough one to to answer. Um, because if I, if I pinpointed some, some things, I, I'm not sure that that would be, that would be helpful. I I would say this, think about all the things, think about when you think about what's wrong and just in the church world, big picture, what things come to mind? Are we any better? Mm. Are we less vulnerable? Um, do we have some of that? Do we, do we have some of that in us? And so, um, Maybe, maybe the kind of things that you would think about are the kind of things that Jesus would want to would want to talk to us about. Maybe you're thinking about that because, in His kindness, He's bringing those to your understanding, so that we can turn from that, turn to Him, and, mm-hmm. and take our next steps steps forward in Him, with Him. Um, but I, I'm, I'm I'm certain of this: that Jesus would want us to remember how much He loves us first. Um, and that he would want us to remember um, how important it is for us to love each other 
and to love those around us and to just be with him relationally and be with him on purpose. I think mm. I think those are the I think those are the kinds of things he would want to to bring to our attention. We are not the kind of we're not in the the kind of context where we're having to navigate persecution and real hardship from those who are who are trying to harm us. We're probably more like the church in Laodicea where the challenges that we come that that we experience come from our come from our wealth and our resources not from not from external pressures working against us it's the the internal battle of loving the giver of gifts more than the gifts that are given um, so I think those are the kinds of things that that Jesus might want to talk to us mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. so if we pull back even further mm-hmm. people may not be aware that we plan out the message series for you know some anywhere from 12 to 18 months in advance most mm-hmm. years yep. and uh, and that you've had a bit of a strategy of an arc uh, mm-hmm. in the different series that we've walked through this past year in 2023 and there's been an intentional focus on the church and the purpose of the church we started off this year with the this is church series mm-hmm. um, the he gets us series even had an element of of looking at you know what is Jesus doing in specific aspects of our life the mm-hmm. masterpiece series looked at who, what's our identity and mm-hmm. how do we resonate with the good works that we're mm-hmm. we're called to the do the preseason series yeah mm-hmm. preseason obviously yeah. yeah and then this 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 series right here yeah so the, this is church that was based in Ephesians and and it's we are the body of Christ and and so a a, a major theme in this year is what does it mean to be the body of Christ? What does it mean to be his temple? What does it mean to be bound together, to be uh, in unity, to be filled with his spirit um, and to join him in what he is about? What is he like? Because when we know what he's like, then, then we see what he wants us to be like because the promise of God is that um, everyone who is in Christ, he is molding us, working in us by his spirit to make us more like Jesus. And so that's been the big, that's been the big theme. And I, and I hope that this is, I hope this has been helpful. Um, and some people might've noticed it feels like maybe there's been a bit of an internal focus throughout this year, through this recent series. And probably so. I mean, it's hard to do, it's hard to, um, it's hard not to be internally focused, especially when you're looking at seven weeks in a row of Jesus's messages uh, to, to churches. But hopefully, it's been it's been helpful. It's been it's been clarifying. Yeah, this is what Jesus has called us to, and it is good. And so let's join him and let's run. Mm. And I yeah. hope people are ready to run because it's time to run. It's time to it's run. It's time and to I think run. There's there's beautiful things that Jesus has ahead for us in our future. So can I just can I just riff a little bit? Sure. I just want to remind everybody, I hope people don't get tired of me hearing me say this. So we're a city of what, 115,000, maybe 120,000 more. Mm-hmm. Mayo's got uh, like a, what is it? A $4 billion construction project that's going to come. Amazing. Uh, some over the next 10 years, 20 years, I don't know how long it's going to be, but we're going to see the population of our city continue to increase, right? Mm-hmm. That's exciting, especially uh, especially for churches, opportunity to reach more people with the gospel. We already have millions of people coming in every year. The world comes to our city. But let, let me remind us of this, 115, 120,000, somewhere around 100,000 are not participating with the church on any given weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a staggering number. There are people in our city, the majority of the people that you see as you drive around do not know Jesus. 
This is the purpose that he's given us. Our ultimate purpose is to be with him. And the purpose that he's about, that he's called us into joining him, is to be his ambassador, to carry this message of reconciliation to that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. And if you are in Jesus, he is not counting your sins against you. So be reconciled to God. Mm. That is what we are about. Mm. And it is, we can't just, we can't just sit around and feel good and feel safe and do things that we like and do things that we prefer and just feel good about ourselves. We live in a city with 100,000 people who are not connected to a local church fellowship, which got to make me wonder how many of those people have no, just don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. That if Jesus were to return today, that they would be facing a Christless eternity. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that should grip us more than anything else. It should drive, it should drive how we engage. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you know him, that should be the thing that is at the forefront. Jesus, how can I join you? Jesus, I want to I want to give. I want to give financially because I want to be a part of investing in that. Not so that I can get something in return. I've already been given everything in you. I want to be a part of investing in that so other people can know all that they've been given mm-hmm. in you. I want to serve not because I'm earning anything. I've already been given everything. I don't need to prove anything. I just I just I want I want to be a part of helping other people know. I want to I want to be a part of helping other people grow. I want to be a part of helping other people know. I'm going to invite I'm going to invite my friends cuz I want them I'm going to I want them to know. I'm going to I'm going to love my neighbors because you know I've been loved. I want them to know what what love is like and it's my hope that one day maybe they would come to know Jesus too. That that's got to be at the forefront of our minds. And if it's not at the forefront of our minds, if it is not if it's not the default setting of our heart the way that we're approaching our life, I'm just going to say we're we're out of sync with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and this this entire this entire message series the the theme of this of these of these letters from Jesus to these churches is because I want you to be with me I'm here I want to be with you I want you to be with me this is what I'm about mm-hmm. and it is the it's the greatest adventure in life that you could be a part of let's go that's what I'm saying to our church let's go get ready to run because we're gonna run. Mm-hmm.